How to create a glitch, the celestial rhythms. What are the levels or cycles in the environment that produce these patterns? The exact description of these cycles is beyond the purview of this book. But a few of them are explained by the diagram below, which shows merely some of the environmental cycles that produce patterns within the routines of humanity. Just as in the first book in the series, it is necessary to undermine the influence of these cycles in one's life in order to experience the inexplicable. What I neglected to explain is how these cycles interact with the various plates described in the first diagram in this volume. So, I will do so here. To return to the basics, a gateway is created whenever two people experience the substance of reality the same way. It is created in relation to a common object or idea. There are a number of ways that these cycles create gateways. First of all, each of these cycles alters one's orientation in space relative to another person. For example, two people on opposite sides of the globe will experience a distinct rotational orientation relative to the surface of the Earth, or any object on it, and hence, the Sun. This rotational orientation will give them a slightly rotated experience of reality. For example, just as the Coriolis force produces distinct orientations to the flow of air and water on opposing sides of the globe, so too will it produce a slightly rotated experience of certain things. This means that the nature of the gateway relative to these experiences is local as opposed to global. Second of all, the rotation of the Earth provides the presence or absence of sunlight at particular locations and creates the orderly movement of time, or the appearance of it. This creates local patterns in the habits and routines of social actors, which again, gives preference to local as opposed to global trends. The lesson we learn from these thoughts is that the rhythms or patterns of nature localize gateway formation or give precedence to local over global streams of experience. But they also produce trends because of the distinct manner by which these trends flow through the milieu of the earth. The manner of involvement of these rhythms in the intersection of minds on Earth is to fragment or localize experience. This of course makes sense, because if the world was flat and powered by an artificial source of light directly above it, we would all have the same experience of time, light, darkness, season, etc. In that case, the unification of our minds through common experience would create a uniformity of reality unlike the one we currently have. More importantly, it is this localization of experience through the action of the various celestial rhythms that makes glitching possible through local action. It is dimension that gives consciousness the appearance of division, not anything intrinsic. Consciousness in a dimensionless universe would be unified. In other words, the direction of causation in the rhythms of the universe is inverted. It flows outward from global to local. The direction of causation within the rhythms or plates is inward and globalizes experience. This dichotomy can be understood in the below diagram. Of course, it is important to note that the cycles on the right are not the physical, spatial structures of the universe itself, but rather their impact on human sociality, rhythm and habit. Now, if we go back to my writings on the nature of glitches, we see that among the experiences that glitching can produce is the retrocausal event. The question becomes, why would glitching produce such an event? If we think of the example I gave of the students in the classroom, where the teacher uses the allegory of the cup to initiate his discourse, 
we can see the causal order of events is not the same as the temporal order of events. So, we see that the allegory of the cup initiates the causal chain. This means that ultimately the joining of the students in the location of the classroom is caused by the allegory being understood within their minds. One is a direct consequence of the other. So, all the events which preceded the students gathering their belongings, getting up in the morning, every little detail of their day which allowed him to reach the classroom on time to hear that allegory, must have occurred. This means the buses were on time that morning because of the allegory. This means the students woke up on time for that class because of that allegory. It also means that the direction of causation is not the same as the direction of time. We may think that A precedes B when in fact causally it may follow B. So, earlier in the volumes, when I mentioned retrocausal events, in fact, what I was writing about were retrotemporal not retrocausal. In effect, by elevating your consciousness to the esoteric, your vision is focused on the next step in the causal chain, as opposed to what would ordinarily be the next temporal step in the chain. The techniques described in the earlier volumes of this book must be understood in the context of the explanation in this volume. First, we know that reality can be described as an expectation field, which is conditioned by our bodily rhythms and the celestial rhythms which impact us. We know that the tension in our body is released or concentrated by the degree to which we resist an impulse. We also know that our impulses shape the outcome of what ultimately occurs. We know that a common feeling relative to some object creates a spatial intersection. And we know that an archetypal alignment produces a common feeling. Likewise, we know that a symbolic, oriented, symbol induces an archetypal alignment. And finally, we know that the esoteric objects and narratives set the whole system in motion. Now, it is interesting to note that the symbolic and the celestial have been frequently intertwined by mythology. It is also interesting to note that the esoteric is frequently associated with these narratives. And there's the rub because the reality is that the esoteric, symbolic and mythological are inextricably intertwined. These narratives, the narratives of gods and angels and demons are the narratives which underlie the coding of this reality. They are the causal beginnings of our species and the unifying narratives of human sociality. They are embedded in the DNA of our consciousness, collective history, and story. We continue to act out these stories within our societies thousands of years after their inception, repeating the same patterns time and time again. This is the ultimate truth of the simulation, that our mythologies are the code underlying the code, the causal impetus for human events. I am not suggesting that this is a new science, but rather that it is an old one. It is important to also note that the celestial rhythms are common locally. That is to say, they are also a local interface which unifies the rhythms of those in a particular place at a particular time. Likewise, the esoteric globalizes experience just as the celestial rhythms localize it. Think of it this way, in the material plane, the plane which impacts us through the celestial rhythms, causation is reductive. In the plane of the mind, the plane which impacts us through our bodily rhythms, causation is holistic. The strands of existence can be thus balanced by these two competing forces. Ultimately however, the relationship between these two sets of rhythms is not necessarily balanced. 
Most individuals live their whole lives in the bubble of a reductive reaction to the celestial rhythms. For most of us, our sleep patterns are conditioned by the stars and sun. When we eat, what we eat, even when we must use the washroom, is conditioned by the stars. But it need not necessarily be so, for each of us have a choice to dislodge these patterns from our behavior if we so choose, embracing the holistic and esoteric direction of causality. These moments, when one has stepped out of the conditioned rhythms and expectation field are moments when one can see the incursion of higher order meaning into one's life. One can witness the reconditioning of one's body to a new normal. And in the bubble universe created by pure subjectivity, one realizes that distinct narratives exist in the same space with the same actors. One can understand that what one expects to be happening is oftentimes disconnected from reality and conventionality. It is the reductive nature of the celestial rhythms that gives the substance of the system its corrugated nature. But the interlocking points of the architecture are the actors themselves. We are the vertices of the matrix and roles of the lines. Stepping in and out of an archetype grants one passage into a distinct experience of reality. Our impulses are shaped reflexively by the celestial rhythms, conditioned by them, while our bodily rhythms create an array of them which extend outward from us. These impulses are reined in by our acting upon them. We are localized by them. In resisting them, they become separate or distinct, spreading outward from us and interacting with the communal expectation field. Through this we attain community, but it is an egoistic community, an inverted state, where our minds chafe at their interactions with others. They create focused, coiled expectations of others. In this subjectivity bubble, we can perceive things only through the lens of our egoistic impulses, divorced from the common expectation field. And in that place, we can experience many strange and unusual things. But it is not a place you should want to stay, albeit tempting, because it can also be a place of nightmares and delusion. With this podcast, I'd like to talk a little bit about the celestial rhythms and how they affect human behavior and also gateways and show how those two ideas are connected. With this, I hope to provide a bit of a framework to understanding many of the ideas expressed in the podcast in relation to the complete series. I'd also like to provide a little bit of context to the discussion of some of those ideas. So first off, a gateway is a common feeling created by a common orientation relative to some object or idea. Now that means that any object can act as a conduit, so to speak, for the formation of a gateway as between two individuals. It doesn't have to be an object in the physical sense. It can be a location, as two people can form a common orientation in space relative to some point in space. But suffice it to say, there are almost an infinite number of possible gateways created by locations and points in spaces between two individuals on the planet Earth. Now, be that as it may, objects themselves can create gateways in the sense that two individuals form a common orientation relative to that object, which means that large objects such as the planet Earth or the Moon or the Sun all create gateways because they act as condits for the common experiences between two commonly oriented individual actors. So to give you an example, if a person stood on the planet Earth and the Earth was rotating around the Sun at a predictable pace and someone stood on the Moon and the Moon orbited around the Earth at a predictable pace, there would be a point in time when the Moon and the Earth would overlap, so to speak, relative to the Sun, 
at which time those two individuals would have a common orientation in space relative to the sun. So, in other words, gateways are created in the moment they are transitory. When we're dealing with moving objects, and if we look at it from the standpoint of a more microcosmic perspective, we can also say that in any given room two individuals may form a common orientation to a point in space or relative to some object in the sense that, for example, they may be standing on either side of an object, such as a table or a chair, and therefore may have some degree of their experience overlapping due to that common orientation. So, gateways can be formed in rooms, they can be formed on different planets or planetoids, they can be formed all over the planet Earth. So, with that in mind, I can explain how the celestial rhythms impact human sociality. So, if an individual, let's say, was to fall asleep in Toronto and another person was to fall asleep in, say, Berlin, then there is a point in time when they both awake down, you know, in the near future. And if they were to say move in the same direction relative to the Earth once they awake, this common movement relative to the Earth creates a gateway between them. The same thing goes for simple tasks, complex tasks in a variety of different types and forms of human behavior, they can all create a gateway between two individual actors. Now, gateways can also be produced at the same time, or they can be produced laterally in time. So, what I mean by that is an individual in Toronto can get up from sleep and go have a shower at, say, 6 o'clock in the morning to get ready for work. Now another individual can in the same building, can get up at 7.30 and go have a shower in order to get ready for work. But if those two individuals manifest the same specific behaviors at different times or set apart in time, they it's also possible between them to create a gateway because they exhibit common behaviors or orientations with respect to objects or with respect to the planet Earth. So, gateways don't have to be created in a single instant. They could be created laterally in time as well. Now to move on to the celestial rhythms. When the sun rises in the east, it wakes people on one side of the globe who begin their morning routines. Now those movements, those actions are very much like a wave through the earth because as the sun passes over from one side of the globe to the other, people wake up and they exhibit the same patterns, the same behaviors as those temporally who preceded them. So, suffice to say, these behaviors create gateways between different people on different parts of the globe at different times. Now, now that I've explained this in a general sort of way, I'd like to talk a bit about what the significance is of this. So basically, what I'm saying is if two individuals form a common orientation relative to some object, for example, let's say, relative to the planet Earth, this creates a conjoining link between their unconscious minds, which means that as the pattern flows through the population of the Earth relative to the solar cycle, for example, there is a delayed link between the unconscious minds of the social participants. So, in other words, individuals, let's say at the far east side of the globe, they wake up first, so they shower first or bathe first. They eat their breakfast first, they go to work first of all the people on the planet Earth. In any given day, this means that as they as their thought processes produce new patterns and they start to think about new things or different things or whatever's on their mind or the news, the weather, various other things that may come to mind. These things are passed with a delay through that unconscious link to the next wave. 
so to speak of actors further to the west, away or out of the path of the sun's rays. So, essentially, what I'm saying is the solar cycle, or at least the rotation of the earth creates a kind of delayed link between the minds of social participants from the east to the west, which means that this linkage creates trends and the movement of ideas from east to west. Now that being said, that is not the be-all end-all of the discussion because there are other patterns. Other celestial rhythms which are also important, such as the lunar cycle, such as the planetary cycle, such as the galactic cycle. So, but you must start to see how the rhythms of planetary bodies or the celestial rhythms may impact how we experience reality and what we think about on any given moment of any given day. In this episode one will be returning to the topic of continuity, to explain in a new and more meaningful way how it relates to creating a glitch, and more broadly how knowledge of continuity can assist one in structuring one's experience. First of all, I use this word continuity to explain a couple of ideas. Behavior and especially our unconscious behavior is linked irrevocably to the context in which it occurs. Thus, continuity in our behavior is preserved by continuity in the context. But continuity can also be artificially produced or emphasized by replicating habitually the same patterns of behavior in different contexts. Let me explain. Let's say you wanted to structure your experience using an arbitrary sequence of ritualistic behaviors. Let's say you used snapping your fingers three times. Now, every time something good happens that would ordinarily be out of your control, you snap three times, structuring your experience in such a way so as to create continuity between these disparate experiences using an artificial link. Now, let's say you do the same thing for things occurring ordinarily outside your control, which you do not like. Let's say, instead of snapping three times with your right hand, you snap with your left once. And thus, you start replicating this pattern each time something happens that you do not like. Now, you have effectively structured your experiences in a divergent fashion. Now, in a previous discussion I mentioned one of the first rules of glitching is creating patterns and breaking them. Thus, just as you would structure your experiences using these little linkages, so too are you creating patterns of continuity and breaking them using these self-same little links. If indeed reality is structured as if it flows from similar to dissimilar, as for example quantum immortality would tell us, then by structuring your experiences in this fashion you are doing two things. 1. You are increasing the likelihood of creating a glitch. 2. You are navigating a reality which is governed by principles such as quantum immortality. Now, to explain, imagine reality is a sequence of probabilities, and each time you create continuity between positive outcomes you are linking them consciously to a linear stream of experience. In effect, these points of ritual narrow experience by recapitulating certain rituals linked to certain outcomes. Now, in a previous podcast I discussed how outs break continuity, or a natural breaks in continuity. I mentioned how during these outs there is a release intention and they permit a non-consensual reality to take the place of what heretofore had been consensual. In effect, these outs represent moments when outlier or idiosyncratic behaviors may intercede. If the goal is to limit the incursion of these behaviors, simply placing the ritualistic behaviors after each out, can create continuity or structure experience to create continuity. I'll endeavor to elaborate on methods of creating continuity, 
But that's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment, and subscribe. In this episode, we will be talking about body switching as disembodied consciousness. Now, in previous episodes, we discussed how, in the moments between moments, it is possible to observe body switching or experience reality through the eyes of another. In this state, a body becomes a mere vessel, a holder of consciousness, for a time. Such transitions follow from the recognition that we are all in all, consciousness divided, being mere illusion. Achieving this state involves opening the esoteric gates, mastering the art of discontinuity, ridding oneself of the trappings of the flesh, sublimating consciousness and witnessing that reality is a mere holographic simulation, our minds reflectors of some external narrative generated by flashes of light. There is a method to being disembodied consciousness, born out of the rhythm and music of social interaction. You may not know the memories of your host body, you may not know the who, the where, the why, of the interaction, but you can grasp your place through the roles and archetypes you assume, the context in which you find yourself, the players on the stage. It is like a dance, each moment an opportunity to become the actor, assume the role, follow the script for a time, as the clock winds down. To live forever passing from body to body, a brief interlude in each, to live as another for a glimpse, before moving to the next, you must become the perfect actor, animated by the script preserved in the book of life. Now, in previous episodes we discussed how continuity in our experiences tightens our associations, limits our self to a consensual reality, wherein our bodily rhythms trap us in a repetitive pattern of life and eventually death. We talked about how it is through the discontinuities in our behavior that we permit gateways that are not localized or restricted by place and time. To reiterate, in replicating a behavior from our past, or replicating a behavior chronologically from one day to the next, reactive to the celestial rhythms, we permit a gateway with the mind of another so localized. At the corners of our actions, the transitions, the outs, we find our minds disperse, no longer localized by patterns of a given context or place. These moments represent openings in us, spatial points of unlimited transmigration, wherein we are capable of being one or many, no longer localized, but receptive to transmutation. These outs are created by the esoteric gates, the objects which connect us all, not localized by time or place, the common vocabulary of objects through which we orient ourselves. Imagine stepping through a doorway became more than an exit, it became the stepping from a place of limited subjectivity to one of infinite perception. In the knife, we find the incisiveness of reductive thought, the tearing away of our impulses, shorn by a blade as sharp as steel. In the pen, the magic of transcription, the creation of history, meaning transmitted through time, between people, separated in time and place. The road which connects two destinations, a continuous continuity, the journey which unites us to place and localizes time. In all these lessons, we see that meaning holds this reality together, symbolism, expressed through our orientation to common objects separated by culture, race and nation, meters or leagues apart. To reach this state is a pathway toward the passion of acting in the moment, but it is a departure from the authenticity that continuity offers, a stepping away from the progress of a churning non-consensual reality. It is possible to witness this state without separating from the flesh, 
in the moments wherein we move from stranger to stranger, the social mobility that arises from the exuberance of youth, in clubs and bars, with music and dancing. To act faster than one can react, to speak faster than one can genuflect. To find the words of life itself pouring out of one's mouth and animating one's movements. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and subscribe.